This is my beloved son. Listen to him. We've heard that line before. Uh, we heard it in the father's appearance at the time of Jesus's baptism. When John the Baptist baptized Jesus in the Jordan, you know, the voice came from the cloud, appeared in a, like a dove, and proclaimed that this is my beloved son. Listen to him. So not only John the Baptist, who identified Jesus as the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, but it's also the Father who proclaims that special kind of relationship that, that Jesus had with himself, with the Father. And not only does Jesus have a special relationship with the Father, but in this instance, and occasionally the, the transfiguration, we find that he appears with Moses and Elijah. Those two special people, if you will, uh, those, those two heroes from the Old Testament, at least in the minds of the Jewish people, because uh, they represented God's presence among them. Moses, in terms of the law, a God who gave them the direction that they needed, cared enough about them to help them on their way. Eliah, who was kind of the prophet of all of the prophets that God sent. But Eliah was the one who who continued to proclaim God's care for them, even when they failed, even when they wandered off. And so Jesus is associated, in the, you know, for Peter, James, and John, they begin to see the association of Jesus not simply as someone who was a, a powerful person, someone who invited them, called them, uh, guided them, directed them, proclaimed the kingdom of heaven to them, but now they hear the Father himself proclaiming, this is my beloved Son we see that he's associated with the Old Testament peoples. That Jesus isn't someone who is somehow separated from. He's not a new person in that sense. He's not a, a new way in which God makes his presence known. Yes, he is, but he's very much tied in with the, their history, very much a part of what, what they've already experienced as Jewish people, what was part of their Jewish tradition. Uh, and Jesus is, is somehow tied in with that they begin to realize that. You know, prior to that, I mean, the apostles saw Jesus as, as, a, as another man in some, some sense, a man who ate with them, walked with them, taught them, of course, about the kingdom of heaven, and occasionally performed miracles. I mean, if we probably look at the time frame, the miracles are a small part of it, but they had experienced somehow, you know, the, the specialness of who Jesus was. But this experience of the transfiguration gives them a whole new picture, a whole new understanding. And Peter, as Peter often did, uh, is willing to jump in there and say, we got to do something about this. Let's build three tents. Let's stay here. Let's be part of this. Um, and the Father's voice proclaiming. What does Jesus do? Well, he says, let's go down from the mountain and, and keep going. But don't tell anybody about this. Don't, don't uh, proclaim this message. You know, how did we, how did Peter, how, how would we uh, respond if we had a similar kind of experience, a similar kind of situation? How would we see ourselves? How would we understand it? Obviously, we're in a different position than Peter and the disciples. I mean, we, we know the rest of the story. We, we, you know, we've heard, you know, we know the reality of the death and the resurrection. 
But when Jesus says, you know, don't tell anybody until after I've risen from the dead, uh, that had to add to their confusion. That had to make it even more difficult to not tell anybody. Um, but it also prepared them for the fact that when he did rise from the dead, they had a context. They had something to, to, to look back on and say, you know, he didn't tell us that. We didn't understand it. We didn't figure it out. But yes, he did tell us that. It's not new. That as we celebrate our own faith at this point in history, you know, as I say, obviously we celebrate it from a different perspective because we know how things ended. But I suspect we'd be just as confused as the disciples. But I think we'd have just as much trouble trying to, to wrap our heads around it. And yet, all of us at different times in our lives have those experiences of a sense of closeness, a sense of awareness of God's presence. Something, something happens, something's triggered in us. We realize that we're not alone. And we depend upon those, those occasions because they help us through the times when we do feel like we're alone, help us through those times when we're not really sure you know, what's going on, uh, the everyday mundane things of life. Um, they're part of our experience, and they're obviously necessary. But those high-point experiences give us the strength to deal with the day-to-day -day events of our lives. Like the disciples, you know, Jesus calls us to be faithful, whether they're there or not. Jesus says, you know, come on, we're, we're still going to Jerusalem, and just don't, don't talk about this. Uh, Jesus also tells us to rise, to be not afraid to depend upon those experiences that, that we have to help us through the, the downtimes, to help us through the, the times when, when we don't always find it so easy to believe. The transfiguration experience gave the disciples some sense of what was going to happen. I mean, they didn't know it yet. Uh, but when it did happen, they were able to, to look back and say, you know, this is what we were seeing at least Peter, James, and John, the other disciples didn't have that same experience. But, you know, they knew about it, they heard about it, and yet they still ran away at the crucifixion. And they were still surprised when Jesus appeared to them, but they had a context, they had something to work with. You know, as we celebrate our faith this time in history and we celebrate this feast, you know, it's a reminder to us of all of the ways in which God helps make his presence known and also reminds us of our call to pay attention, our call to be conscious of those things when they happen in our lives, our call to be not afraid, to rise up, to follow Jesus.